Hey everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hon? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. That's good. Yeah, it's good. an it's 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 a good day. It's a new year. It's a new year and a good day. I mean, it's been a new year for a bit for for listening. Yeah, that's true. You raise a very good point. But at the time that we're recording this, it is a new year because yeah. everything you've heard up until this episode has been last year. It's true. So, <laughs> but anyway, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one. Hooray! We're here and we're not here alone. No, how exciting! Yeah, we have a guest. On this episode, and it's Scotty. Scotty, say hello. <laughs> it's me, Scotty. Do sad Scotty. <laughs> sad oh, Scotty. Sad Scotty. <laughs> we should talk about sad Scotty because it's an audio podcast, and not everybody who listens to this show is someone that we know personally. <laughs> sad Scotty is a meme that keeps running. It's like a personal meme. It yeah, is a it's personal an meme. meme. It's yeah. an inside personal meme of Scotty. Our friend Scotty looking sad throughout all of our wedding and engagement photos <laughs> because you're just disappointed that no one loves you and we found love. It's all because of that Tim Hortons that one day when no one wanted to that sit Tim with me. dirty, dirty the, Tim Hortons. The dirty yes. Tims. Yes, oh. that Tim Hortons photo where we all took a, we took a photo of you being sad. Sitting alone in the corner with my dirty headband on. And then, and then when we got engaged, when Laura and I got engaged, Facebook decided to tag that picture in our, <laughs> our moment of like, look, Mike and Laura got engaged. And it was just still the best. me and Laura, me and Laura, me and Laura, and then Seth Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> so we included you in all of our romantic photos in the background. Oh Engagement photos, wedding photos, like... Sad Scotty never ends. That's yeah, no, right. I love it. Like when we have to do obituary photos, I'll be there. No, <laughs> don't talk like that. If it wasn't for like virus stuff, we could have had you in kid photos. I, like, I know. I was gonna say that. Yeah, child photos. Just if I'd done like a maternity shoot, you could have shown up in like the background of like one of those. Like I could have been like you know standing in a lake and like holding my tummy, and you're just in the background like standing in the water, like in like a mm. diaper. <laughs> no, just, no just dress normally just, <laughs> Laura you know because those maternity shoots are usually like you're wearing like a cloth or something yeah, or like, like a sheet yeah yeah so you're standing there in a sheet and Scotty's just in the background in like a Led Zeppelin t-shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> just sad with the same headband no like like a weeb shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man delightful delightful well we're happy to have you here to talk with us it's a pleasure to be with you guys again. It's been so many years since we've been behind a microphone together. I know. And you know what? It doesn't feel like a day has passed. It does not. It's always nice when you can just hop back in and pick up where you left off, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you've, you're joining us for this this week's movie. And it, this was technically, was it your pick? Mm -hmm. It was technically Scotty's pick. Te yeah, it was. Scott, Scotty threw out some really good ideas. And when I saw this one on his list, I was like, dibs, this is my choice. As like, because, you know, we switched back and forth. I was like, no, I haven't seen this movie in probably two decades. And I am going to watch this movie. <laughs> All right. And I really feel like talking to Scott about this movie would just be bananas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We are definitely going so to see. So high hopes here. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, we rewind. We rewind back to... 1993, 1993 to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. To put his family back together, Daniel Hillard needed a job. Do you have any special skills? I do voices. Yes! Nancy and I are still looking for the other half of my head. Look at me right now, money penny. Want to do that bow and get to know you. Mr. Hillard, do you consider yourself humorous? I used to. And a decent home for his kids. How do you like it? Can't you just tell mom you're sorry? But he found a way. I'm placing an ad for a housekeeper. Housekeeper? Could you make me a woman? To have both. Wow. Let's pray. No. He's still the same old dad. Good. Only better. Dinner is served, madam. Wow. 
I'd love to get reacquainted. Can't you see the lust in that man's eyes? The terrorists, they ran that way. It was a run by fruiting. This holiday season. Surprise. Robin Williams. Who needs a husband when I've got you? In a Chris Columbus film. Back off! Mrs. Doubtfire. God, it's hot in here. A father's work. <laughs> is never done. Oh, first he is a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. What the hell is that? I rewind noise. It's terrible. <laughs> November 2nd. Rudy Giuliani wins the New oh, York no. mayoral election. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that might not have aged well. Yeah. Remember when he was America's mayor? Now he farts <laughs> and melts. And I don't know. He's just such a mess. Uh, November 4th, Jean Chrétien is appointed the Prime Minister of Canada. Oh. Remember that? Remember there was like a period of time when they just kind of were like, now what do you think Jean Chrétien thinks? And they would just go back to him like all the time, like whatever Stephen Harper was doing. And they'd ask like, oh, yes. And I'd be like, why do you care? Like he, he's- He's retired. He's retired. Like, what does it matter what he thinks? Yeah, but like, it, you know, a lot of, he was a very respected prime minister and he served for a long time. People hold his opinion in high regard. Oh, he was respected. You know who else respected him? I, I did. He, he had good opinions. And- <laughs> he had a good run. <laughs> oh, he did. <laughs> November 15th, Joey Buttafuoco is sentenced oh, to six God. months for statutory rape of the Long Island Lolita, Amy Fisher. You know what? This is so funny that this this kind of thing keeps r- coming up. I remember on the show. that story but being big. It was big. It was, I was so big. Eight. It was so big that it appeared in one of my Mad magazines. <laughs> oh yeah, it was such a big story. And like looking back on it now as an adult and everything, I'm just like, oh, that guy's such a creep. Yeah, in in the Mad magazine thing, it was uh, they were doing a parody of Mars Attacks, and it was all like. People getting their comeuppance from the people they'd wronged, and one of them was Joey Buttafuoco getting beat up by like women. Yeah, good because he certainly deser- deserved it. Now, on that note, November seventeenth, the U.S. House of Representatives approves NAFTA. Neat. There was, <laughs> I will tell you right now, dear. <laughs> there was quite a few horrific murders. In November 1993. There are always horrific murders, but and you find them all. thankfully, there was four big stories that weren't murder that I was able to do and not include the murder. <gasps> well, look at that. What were the stories? Are they happy stories? Well, no, that's Rudy Giuliani, John Buttafuoco, oh, okay. and NAFTA. I thought you were Pay setting attention. up some no. I saw, I heard the story. I thought you were setting me up because you're like, I had all these murder stories, but I found four other stories. Well, that's usually the issue is like normally there's like three stories that have happened that month. They're like, people would remember this and then people will be like, oh, and but that's it. And I'm like, no, I got to round it out with a fourth one every time. And normally like the biggest news is a big murder thing. And thankfully there was four that were big. That I didn't have to include any of the murders just for you. Oh, thank you. I always like not adding to the body count of this podcast. <laughs> Has there been yeah, an official many- count? Like an official murder body count? Because I think we've got to start doing that. I know, right? Yeah, but I'm too late. How many people has NAFTA truly killed? <laughs> oh. Okay, we're going to add that to the tally. And maybe Rudy Giuliani. Oh, my God. Just his career. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, speaking of 1993, what a year for movies, at least in the first half. No. You had Aladdin, Groundhog Day, Jurassic Park, The Fugitive, and The Firm, which are all big, like record-breaking movies with long runs. Like you, the looking at the number runs of number ones, it was like four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, just like number like these big box office smashes and then you get halfway through the year and it's like huh just the the draws were smaller like you were going from like 20 to 30 million dollars every weekend to six million dollar number ones like it was so you've got november actually started okay with nightmare before christmas a couple weeks there didn't Mm -hmm. do great but still was number one three musketeers the so-so Adam's Family Values sequel. I enjoyed it, but I understand why like it didn't do as well at the box office. And then you got Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. 
It held its number one for two weeks and it lost to another so-so sequel, Wayne's World 2. Then got it back in its sixth week for two more weeks and then another week in its 10th week of release. Now, overall, it was the second biggest movie of the year. Damn. Wow. Uh, behind, of course, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park took in $357 million for the year and Mrs. Doubtfire took in 219 followed by The Fugitive and The Firm. I'm actually kind of shocked that Mrs. Doubtfire is number two behind Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm honestly not. I remember this movie being huge like because robin williams at the time was like the biggest like comedy star like it was right before jim carrey had the breakout with uh and the same year as aladdin too sorry same year as aladdin as well true and like aladdin wasn't even top four in the movies for the year so uh, it was the number one like family movie but aladdin but aladdin's not beauty and the beast Oh, sorry. I mean, Aladdin is my favorite of the Renaissance films. Oh, really? Interesting. Hands down, yeah. Wow. Now, here's an important question for your box office results here. Okay. How well did Batman Mask of the Phantasm do? Because that came out in 1993, and that was a tight movie. That was a good movie. Okay, well, I can check. <laughs> See, what reminded me was when you mentioned Nightmare Before Christmas, because I remember I went, I saw Batman Mask of the Phantasm in theaters, and I got the Kids Tribute magazine, <laughs> oh. and the cover story was Batman Mask of Phantasm and Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you really want to know what it did? It was like 55th place or some crap, wasn't it? 165th. <laughs> <laughs> For its... Uh, in year release made three point four million dollars and overall made five point six million dollars. Released on December twenty fifth, so yeah, I I went to that and I remember being there with my mom and she was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" <laughs> and there was like no one there but us. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good yeah, movie, no, uh, it was beaten by Tom and Jerry the movie, <laughs> Warlock the Armageddon, what the Lover. Mr. Nanny. Oh, there we Surf go. Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, not, not, uh, yeah. not the big hit you were hoping. But uh, anyway, well, we're not you. talking about Batman no. because it doesn't even come close to qualifying for this podcast. No, but thank you for indulging my, my nostalgia trip there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but speaking of nostalgia trips, Mrs. Doubtfire. What was your nostalgia trip with this movie? What What's your memories of this movie? Well, I remember I f seeing this the first time I can really remember watching it. Now, this might not be the actual time I watched this for the first time. But I feel like the, what I remember most is my neighbor growing up. Because I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, yet somehow lucked out that there was... And I've talked about this before. Two girls on my street of four houses on my street... Three of them had kids my age. And then eventually a fourth one moved in for like two years in the fourth house. Doesn't matter. At my one neighbor, we'd always watch these like early 90s family comedies. Like that's all we watched all the time. And we watched Mrs. Doubtfire over there a lot. And she tended to quote the movie a lot. And I think I kind of got sick of it. <laughs> but I remember liking it as a kid until I got sick of it. I'm trying to think like this isn't Austin Powers or anything like that. What are the big quotable quotes? Is it like Hello? It was a yes. giant or it was a run by fruiting. Oh, uh, okay. I find that tattoo. Someone got that as a tattoo. Got, a that is awesome. Fruiting. Holy crap. I know the most memorable one for me line would, would be his porky pig one when he's like P -p 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 piss off, Lou. That's like the one quote from this movie. Me and my sisters would always yell at each other. Because we thought it wasn't swearing because it was in a movie, so it was okay. Okay. <laughs> Several people have got run by fruiting tattoos. I wish... <laughs> I can't even tell you which one I saw the meme from because there are so many. How are there so many? That's, that's ridiculous. As someone who has several 
silly tattoos. I no hate. Yeah, but some of them are like they're from fairly popular things. Mrs. Doubtfire was the second biggest movie of the year behind Jurassic Park. <laughs> People remember it fondly. Apparently. People remember T Rexes and run by fruitings. <laughs> That's what you need is a T Rex doing a run by fruiting, or someone run by fruiting a T Rex. <gasps> that could be a couple's tattoo, one of each. Oh, there you go. I mean, I mean that, maybe that's what they do to Jurassic World 3, is there's a run by fruiting. Wow. <laughs> People are ridiculous. I absolutely love that this is the thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Scotty, what about you? What, what, oh, you, man. Was this something about you that you enjoyed all of your youth? He, oh, my yeah. As kids, this was a movie that was on, like, holy cow. Me and my sisters watched this movie all the time. Like, it was constantly on. It's like I would have Star Wars or Indiana Jones going on when I was young, and then my sisters would be around and be like, let's watch Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, it was consistently, like, at least once a week, probably. But it's like, thinking about it as a kid, I only really re- remembered all the Robin Williams comedic parts. Like, everything else is like, play with your toys during. So, like, I, I never really picked up on, like, most of, obviously, the story as a kid. Because I think this is the first time I sat down where I was actually like paying attention to what the story was, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, things that we'll we'll get into when it comes to the, the story of this film, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those yeah childhood films that was always on. Oh my gosh! I don't know why though. Just, I think it was just because Robin Williams. That was the big thing. I think. Okay, Robin Williams. Here you go, kids. Well, that's what, that was it. Like, he was such a huge star, and he was, like, family-friendly. Like, our parents grew up with him on, like, Mork and Mindy yeah. and stuff. So, he was, like, a familiar, safe face for this. So, they're like, we like Robin Williams. We can show Robin Williams to our kids. He's not, like, this strange newcomer with the elastic face Jim Carrey. Like, we, that's weird. This guy is, you know, a delightful man that we understand. So, you know, and he, he is obviously very funny. Mm-hmm. Nanu, nanu. There you go. As for me, back in the day, this was long enough back that one of my mom and dad's friends used to, as a Christmas present, take the kids to a movie in the theaters and was like, give my parents a night off kind of a thing. So that's how I saw this movie was not with my parents, but with this friend of my parents who was like, oh, yeah, I take your kids to a Christmas movie every year. That's how I got to see like Santa Claus and a whole bunch of other big Christmas movies. But yeah, that's how I originally saw saw it. And I remember the movie being like really funny, you know, like that's when, and when it was, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do is the movie on the show. I was like, man, this is, uh, I can't wait. This is going to be laugh out loud, fun times. <laughs> and, then, and then we got to the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the most laugh out loud, fun times. Yeah. Like I, I have not seen this movie in a very long time and, and. Like, I mean, let's just get right into it. This movie hits very differently as an adult than it does when you're like in 1993, when you're like, like seven, eight years old, right? Holy cow. Does it ever? (laughs) Yes. 100%. Because like the setup of the movie is like the couple is getting a divorce and like, I got to get my notes here because like right off the hop, like, and I feel, especially now as a parent, this movie hits so differently because Sally Field this whole movie she has the patience of a saint to have stuck it out for three kids with this guy who she is the breadwinner she obviously is the one taking care of the house like how has she not just murdered him there were i think maybe three occasions in this film where you turned to me and said if you did that to me i'd divorce you too yeah (laughs) because i would like like Wow, I can't even read my writing. Yeah. Basically, oh, the petting zoo that they hired is atrocious. It's a really bad petting zoo. I mean, I know it's the early 90s, and even now people do these crappy little petting zoos and don't realize how cruel and terrible they are. But, like, they've got it out on the street. <laughs> yes. In San Francisco. There's a who, scene. Who thinks this is a good idea? The horse is, there's no handler for the horse. It's just walking around the house eating yeah. birthday cakes. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's just going right for the soccer ball. I felt bad when the, what do you call it? His son is squirting uh, the goat in the face with the uh, milk the whole time, <laughs> just sh- shooting him in the face. Yeah, they're all being cruel to the animals. 
But like literally my, my, my first note in this whole movie, because I take notes through the movies, obviously, but like the petting zoo is terrible. And then it's, I'm on Sally Field's side five minutes into this. She's 100% right wanting divorce. And he hasn't even told her he has lost his job. No, he walked out for his morals about anti-smoking. Come on. It's very... Which uh... is honestly <laughs> fair. Like he, you know what? And in 1993, I remember my parents coming home from like at gatherings at like restaurant, going to a restaurant, coming home stinking of smoke in the early 90s. Because I know it was them because I was babysitting my sister who was born in 93. And they'd come home just reeking of cigarette smoke. Like I get having that stance in 93 was probably very hard and that's fair and honestly like i i get that but the petting zoo it's like you should not be spending any money right now you just lost your job again because it sounds like he's a serial job loser oh 100 i feel like there's uh <laughs> there's not much he has going on for himself most of the time other than uh just being the fun dad which i watched it and i was like man this is gonna be me honestly you you think no you think that and then like and that's the thing like i said i feel like this movie probably hits very different for a kid because they're probably like he's so fun i I, I wish my dad would have and then as like an adult without kids you're probably like that's a little ridiculous and then seeing it with kids no no no. you can be a fun parent and not a complete fuck up yeah and then like they have this like Rob Williams and Sally Field have this huge blowout fight, obviously, and she's just like, not like she's not even. It's not even. Blowout. They have a fight, but she is so. Or and that's when you know a relationship's really in trouble. Is she doesn't even like scream and yell. She's just, I'm done. I can't. This is done. Like, and she, she says at one point they've been working on things for 14 years. Yeah. How old is the oldest kid? I must be 14. That yeah, because the the middle one's 12. So yeah. every one of those kids is a Band-Aid kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Especially the last one, especially because the big age gap. Yeah. Every <laughs> single one of them is like, remember how good things were when we like the first one was, OK, I know we're fighting, but like if we had a baby, it would bring us together. And then the next one is like, remember how good things were when we've had the first baby. Let's have another. And then things are really bad. And then they have a third baby. And it's just like. And I'm sure every time poor Sally Field is putting her career on hold to have these kids that she's taking care of mostly by herself and her deadbeat husband is just... In San Francisco. Which is so expensive. <laughs> I know. But then again, she's a partner of her design yeah. firm, so she's got the money. <laughs> there, there were two things that I noticed about his job. And, and I think that it more or less has to, to boil down to, I know a lot about voiceover. Mm-hmm. And, and one... You don't just have one job. Like voiceover is all freelance. Yeah. You, you do like a hundred different jobs in a week. Mm-hmm. So if he got fired from one job, he should in theory have like 50 other jobs that week and it not matter. Unless in he's theory. not good at his, like he's good, but unless he's just got a bad reputation in the industry. Uh, which maybe. I would, and then he, this is like his last gig of people who will hire him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but like it, it sounds based on like when he's talking later to the 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 woman at the the job board, the job agency, she's like, well, what are your skills? And he's like, well, this is what I do. I do voices kind of a thing, which makes me think that that was his career. Yeah. Which would explain why if that was his career, if it's freelance, then he's going to probably have more time to watch the kids and, and be, you know, fun dad, because he's probably not working the same, anywhere near the same kind of hours his wife is. Mm-hmm. So, so that was one thing that I was like, no, nah, that dude would still have like 15 freelance gigs. But lined that's, up, unless probably. he's burned a bunch of bridges already. You think that guy who was like, you don't walk out that door, you're not coming back. You think that guy just called everybody in the industry? Well, what about the like, people who've already been making those calls? Yeah, well, that maybe. was one of the same thing. But here's the other thing. There's like there's like no VO industry in San Francisco. It's all in LA. So like, uh-huh. unless he's well, flying back and forth every day, like. Well, you don't know. Were you working in voiceover in 1993? Maybe, maybe there were a few studios working at the time. Like yes, that. I was. And no, there aren't. <laughs> <laughs> See, one thing I was curious about at first is I was wondering if the voice acting part of Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams, I was like, is this a reference to his like Aladdin voice acting and the whole like debacle there? But then I didn't realize that they had come out in the same year. So I was like, oh, oh yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Maybe just purely coincidence. Because I thought there was because that whole debacle with him doing the genie and then Disney wanted to do the TV, the cartoon and all that stuff. Yeah, because he's like, don't put me in the marketing for yeah. Aladdin. And I'll do it for cheap. 
and they put him all over the marketing <laughs> after they paid him cheap. So, yeah, but, and that was a huge wedge between him and Disney for years, which is funny because this movie is Fox and Fox now owns Disney. Or is, is now no, owned by Disney. No. And the characters reminded me of Warner Brother characters that he was like impersonating, which is obviously the opposite of Disney. So, yeah, yeah very and- much. Very much. I remember when that cartoon, like watching that cartoon at the beginning and being like, where is this cartoon? Oh, me too. Yeah. Why, can I can I watch it? Where is it to watch? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a fictional cartoon that they've made up. Also, when it comes to voiceover stuff, they do the voice before the animation. No, I know. <laughs> well, unless it was some sort of imported, like... Uh, yes, but it's not. The, did it yeah, look obviously imported? The, the kind of cartoon is not imported. No, but You're at right. the same, like the only reason that you would do that, if you would do voiceover, would be to redub a mistake or something like that. So that tells me that this is just me being like way too literal. With You're this. being very nitpicky, very <laughs> nitpicky about one scene at the beginning of the movie. Well, not just that, but like the, it's one of those situations where it's been written to fit the scenario, Fair. not. The scenario has been written to fit this industry. Yeah, because like if he were to really be voicing like that, the only way he'd be doing that would be to correct a previous voiceover error. So in theory, he would have already have said those lines unless he was replacing another actor who already said those lines. Yeah. So anyway, that was me being really nitpicky about that scene. <laughs> yeah. But like, okay, so they, she obviously, she has like Sally Field asked for the divorce, mm-hmm. which is... Good call. It's fair. Fair she, enough. She And like on her single income, she can definitely like, not only can she afford the house by herself, because obviously her husband has been serially out of work. Not only that, like you could see that she, a lot of people at her job respect her and like take, like follow her, which is great. Like she, she takes charge in a great way. And then Pierce Brosnan walks into her life. Like they, they rekindle the whole thing. And I'm just like, this is all happening very fast, but good for Sally Field. And not only that, I will also have you know the uh, what a rarity this is in film. Sally Field is older than both Robin Williams and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Oh. If this movie was made today, it would have been like Margot Robbie and like Jim Carrey. Like a 40-year age gap. I, I noticed it had been this one because I, as a kid, I didn't. I was on the same age, but like... I really love Smokey and the Bandit, and that's like one of what Sally Field's like really early roles. And then I'm like, damn, that was 20 years before this. Sally Field's always looking good, though. She looks great, and like she, she does a, a like she, I don't know. She seems just really believable as like just a very tired wife. Yeah. Oh God, and, yeah. Like I'm like, get it, girl. Like you f- see how your life has blossomed after dropping this dead weight. Well, the. <laughs> The funny thing, though, is Stu shows up because Pierce Brosnan is, is Stu. I just have him in my note as PB. PB. His name was Stu. And the only reason PB. I remembered that his name was Stu is because I wrote in my notes, Stu is a thirsty bitch. Because yeah, he, he shows up and he is salivating for Sally Field. Like the second he shows up, yeah. he makes no bones about the fact that he wants in those pants. Or all the bones. <laughs> like it, yeah. All the bones indeed. And you know what, though? I remember as I watched it, like when I was a kid, I remember being like, damn that stew. He's a jerk. Me too. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> and then watching this, I'm like, Stu seems like a pretty decent dude. He's such an upgrade in so many ways. He's so much better for that family. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not the dad of those kids, but like. But he's not a piece of crap. He's responsible. He's a nice guy. He takes some places. And later in the movie with the drive-by fruiting, he's talking to somebody else about the family. And he's like, you know, I never thought about having kids before, but like, I love these kids. Yeah, Especially he's a like, little girl. Like they just—they've made my life so much better. He's and, so like, happy to be would, part of their lives. He is such like the ideal stepdad. Yeah, like, you can tell he doesn't want to take Robin Williams's place, but he wants to do everything he can for this family, and he cares about them all so deeply. I'm like Sally Field. Lock him down. He is perfect. Marry him. As a kid, like I always thought of him as the bad guy, obviously, because you're rooting for Robin Williams as a kid the whole time. But watching as an adult, you're like, yeah, yeah, this guy isn't that shitty. He's actually a pretty decent dude. He's, he's not a scumbag. He's like wants to take care of the kids, make sure her family's taken care of and loved. It's like, yeah, okay. Sorry, Robin. It took you 14 years, but you couldn't fix the marriage. Well, that's the end. Like, 
even then as a kid, you think like Sally Field was also like, you're like, man, what a mean mom. She's so mean. Yeah. yeah. And like now looking back, I'm like, man, this poor long suffering woman has finally done the right thing for not only herself, but her family. And like she she's reaping the rewards of that now with like this guy coming into her life and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm just like, as an adult now, I'm like, is Robin Williams the bad guy? He kind of is. Because like, kind of, like, yeah. When he, when he becomes like, so obviously he's, you know, he get, he, he's divorced because he's not a good dad in the sense of like, he's not a responsible provider. He's a good dad in the sense of like, I do the fun things and my kids love the fun things. Yeah. And I love my kids. <laughs> but then like when he's with the kids and the kids are like, Oh, your house is stinky. He's like, well, shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're my kids. Enjoy my, my rat nest. Yeah. He flies off the, the handle at the drop of a hat. He's clearly got some anger issues. Yeah. And then when he is Mrs. Doubtfire, like, not, we'll get into all that stuff. He, he goes like out of his way to try to sabotage everything else that's going on in everybody else's life. Yes. He, he to make does. his life better. And like, is he even making his own life better at this? Cause like, he's, only making things harder on himself like literally he's been told as long as you do these generally fairly simple things that any parent should do then you can have like 50 50 custody of your kids like that's not an issue here get a job have a livable home and show you're responsible and in like literally in like what was it two three months three months yeah we can reconvene and you know see where we're at I know being without my kid for three months would be agony, but I'd be like, look, three months is going to go by really fast. I'm going to make sure I dedicate everything I have to meeting these parameters so I get the 50-50 custody. I can do this. It took a month to clean his apartment. Yeah. And then he got a job and all he did was talk shit about like the, the foreman and stuff. <laughs> the, the old, yeah, the old guy used to work there. Yeah. Like he's doing everything he can. To just weasel his way out of doing the easier option. Yeah. But it's funny because he goes the craziest and then ends up screwing up his life 10 times more. This whole film is like, how can Robin Williams, how can his good intentions screw him over even more? But like his good intentions are literally the road to hell. They it's are. Like, he doesn't do a good job. Like, he learns. Okay. But and I get it. Like being Mrs. Doubtfire gives him. I guess the motivation to learn to cook and clean and be a better parent. And like, that's the moral of the story. Well, learn to be everything his wife wanted him to be for 14 years. Yeah. Like losing everything was the only thing that taught him what to do. And then at that point, it's like, it's too late. Cause at the end of the movie, she doesn't take him back or anything. No, he still lost everything. He just gets more time with his kids, but yeah. Yeah. But like, we don't get any real closure about Stu. Like, yeah, he doesn't show up at the my end. My fantasy is that Sally Field marries him and they are very happy together and they have a really good co-parenting relationship with Robin Williams. That's your head cannon. That's my head cannon because like <laughs> that is something I, I would say would be like a happy ending. No, the real head cannon is, is that Stu and Sally Fields get together, but Robin Williams still dresses up as Mrs. Doubtfire because he, he's got some weird thing going on. Well, he does, though, because of, of the TV show, because he gets the job yeah. at the TV station as like a children's performer, but dressing up as Mrs. Doubtfire, whether you, 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 Doubtfire, yeah, <laughs> with like, somehow that is super, I guess Robin Williams dressed up, it was the second biggest movie of the year. So like, yeah, I guess it would be successful for kids. Well, I, I mean, like. <sighs> That, I guess that meeting that he has with his boss just goes that well. You know, the meeting where at the end of the meeting, I do chokes and his family leaves. Him. <laughs> that boss is like, oh, wow, I really like this character's much, appeal. <laughs> but that boss had had a ton of whiskey. That's fair. I, I actually wrote that down. I'm like, holy crap. I do not. Re like, I remember him running back and forth th between the tables. I do not remember that he's drunk. Yo, he's play yeah, plastered. And, and his boss is yeah. already looking for a lady. So he's like, huh? Luck be a lady tonight. Come here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Mrs. Doubtfire, let's get into the actual creation of Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh yeah, let's talk about so, this nonsense. So okay. So he first of all he he changes the phone number so that nobody can answer the That's ad. That's diabolical. 
poor person whose number he changes the phone number to. <gasps> I didn't even think of you that. Didn't, yeah, you didn't think of that. That's a real number. Like it could be a pizzeria, and they're like, "I want to be the nanny," and, he, and the pizza guy's like, "Oh, we just, I just want to send the pizza." You know? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Well, so there's that right off the bat, but then he starts calling the wife. And okay, so they've been together for 14 years. His job was a voiceover actor. <laughs> she does not recognize her own husband doing voices after 14 years of him doing voices with her. Oh my God. You know what? But I will tell you as a long suffering wife. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will tell you. There are times I'm sure after 14 years, and that's not just even, that's 14 years of them having kids. How many years were they together before the first kid showed up? How many times has he been just going? Because you see the sign where he's in the employment office and he's just like, go and go and go and go with all this stuff. I'm sure after like five years of this, she just tunes it right out. That, that's what happened to me. I do all those silly voices. I'm just waiting for my girlfriend to start tuning them out. 100% she's already doing. Hundred percent. So the the what you're the point you're trying to make here is you tune out my conversations half the time <laughs> when I'm talking to you about things. What? <laughs> okay. Sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> and moving on. Um, <laughs> so so the the mom is hiring Mrs. Doubtfire from the 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 conversation where Mrs. Doubtfire is so great. She goes on and on about like, oh yes, I I served this family and blah 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 and. Does she, does she not need to see any sort of references? I, I mean... Like, somebody's going to be looking after your kids, right? No, I know. That's the thing, right? Like, I I feel like in the 90s, parenting was so different. Did Robin Williams forge documents? That he no, did when he I handed that resume to her. It was all f- fraudulent. It's Think fair. about the babysitters your parents sent you to and uh, my parents sent true. me to. Parents the ones that made you watch 90s, Backdraft on like, loop? Yeah, we're just like, look... <sighs> Is the place littered with crack pipes and like intravenous needles? No. Good enough. And <laughs> away you go. Is it cheap? Yes. Done. Sold. Away you go. Remember, this is all the, the, the parents who were like, be home before the street lights come on and then just leave their kids to their own devices for 12 hours a day. And then they post all those memes about how it's like, when I was a kid, I didn't need a bike helmet for everything. I got scrapes and cuts. Yeah, it's like a lot of kids died. A lot of kids died. That was <laughs> actually in, 19, in 1993, in November, I will tell you right now, a lot of kids died. Okay. So we didn't go over those in our oh, rewind. Oh, yeah, no. there's quite a few. But, but let's just slide them in now. No. <laughs> There's a few very famous ones, but let's not. Anyway, back to the fun family fair where (laughs) the lady is leaving her kids with someone who is technically a perfect stranger without checking her references. Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't know where to go with the Mrs. Doubtfire stuff. I mean. Well, you get to hear a bunch of Robin Williams questionable accents for the, uh, the era. I was like listening to him now. I'm like, oof. Someone would uh, take some offense to these. Let's get let, let's let's touch on this for just a second and and try to also keep ourselves without feet in mouth. There's a lot about this movie that is not aged. Holy well. cow. Oh my god! There's several of my notes where I'm like, those comments would have Robin Williams' career canceled immediately. And that's the thing too, because like. I was reading like trivia about the movie. Most of that was improvised. Yeah, it was a different world. Like you think about this movie as like, oh, it's a fun family romp. And it's like, yeah, but it was still 1993. He makes some pretty offensive comments. And I mean, I would say in 1993, the average person was simply not aware of what being trans even was yeah i mean even like it's not even just him it's like other characters as well make comments and stuff like that oh like his son and stuff where they have the big reveal there yeah his son is disgusting no like the most homophobic uh yeah at first i was like are they trying to use this as like a tool to like show this character growing like that this kid's like oh i'm homophobic but it's cool dad it's cool 
because there's parts of movies where I'm like, is this like when uh, he's first leaving and they're talking about divorce? And I'm like, oh, is this movie trying to be like, to is it trying to teach kids about divorce too? And then I'm watching, I'm like, oh, is it trying to teach kids about being inclusive to people who are different? I was like, no, I don't think so. I just, I just think that's just pure 90s homophobia. Well, not just that too, because like, and like trying to put my like 90s hat back on. Because, like, now, I would say the majority of people where we live, who are our generation, are honestly perfectly not even, like, we just, a man dressing up as a woman has no shock value. No. Like, RuPaul's Drag Race is super popular. Like, going to drag shows is is common now. Like, this is all, like, I don't want to say the who cares. But, like, I literally don't care in the sense that, like, it has no bearing on my life. Why would I be shocked or, you know, be like, that man is dressed as a woman. But in 1993, a lot of people would probably be like, but that's a man. And now it's like, yeah, that's great. Okay. So we were going to go get sushi? Like, nobody. No, just bats an eye at it. Yeah, nobody with their head on straight would be bothered in any way, shape, or form. Like, I could understand the family being shocked more that their father slash ex-husband has been conning them for months. I know. Yeah, when, when, when the kids find out, they're really like, oh, great idea. You know? Like, yeah. Oh, it's like, you, Dad? It's cool. <laughs> Happier here. <laughs> yeah, and like... Uh, the shock value that they're going for is that Robin Williams is dressed as a woman. The shock value that they should be going for is that this man has conned his innocent family members. He's conned everybody. He's conned the court system. He's conned a future employer. He's conned his ex-wife. Like, yeah, like it's, and like his ex, like I got to admit, Sally Field does get very codependent on Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. To a, like, I understand she's going through a divorce and everything, and that's tough. Like, and she is technically raising three kids mostly by herself. And, like, I can understand she's lonely. And, like, she's got this new bow in her life. And, you know, I'm sure she's kind of having this, like, how are things going this well for me? I'm having a bit of, like, uh, about that. Because, like, I get it. Anxiety is a beast. But, like, she relies on Mrs. Doubtfire way too much. And then Robin Williams' character uses this role to like sabotage sap not only sabotage her relationship but like sub- like just get influence her in these yeah. terrible ways and like glean these like these secret thoughts and wishes and everything from her and use that against her and i'm just like just manipulate her this life this man is disgusting oh i know it's like psychopathic tendencies it's like if i if i can't have my kids no one can sorry mm-hmm. He does try to like gaslight her too. Oh yeah, like like they talk about they talk about her her ex husband a few times, and he's like, "Well, it couldn't have been that bad." And like the wife's like, "No, it was that bad." Like she has a she's having none of it, but he does attempt to be like, "No, it's it's uh, he wasn't as bad as you think." Yeah, he he definitely does, and like, oh, he and like not just that, but like, and then. And then, despite all of this nonsense, because we were talking about the restaurant before, and everything he does, like a typical white male, this is, this is for laughs, but still, uh-huh. still, just to clarify, no, he totally fails upwards. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just, I'm like, this isn't a new phenomenon with you. You see all these, you know, stories in the news, like these politicians, like, What's her name in Georgia, who I really hope at this point has lost the the runoff election, but what's her name? But just failing upwards. Mm-hmm. It was just like, how are these people allowed to continue? They're the worst. Well, they, think about it. Like when it comes to his job, he completely fails upwards. He he makes fun of the show to the boss and gets a pitch meeting out of it. And then, like, during the pitch meeting. He gets drunk, shows up like dressed as a woman, and then he's like, "Oh, this is the character I devised for you." And then turns out he's not. He's like over at a different table in like, the middle of a murder plot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes, he, he tries, tries to, to murder Sue, but he yes. admits it too at the end. Where after it's all done, he's like, "Sorry about the pepper." Yeah, he <laughs> tells Pierce Brosnan. Okay, can I can I say though? Because this falls into that 
very just overdone trope of a person being committed to doing two things at the same time and having to race back and forth. And one of the shows that did it best was Pepper Ann, I will admit. Uh-huh. Pepper oh. Ann did a good job of it. She's one in a million. She is. Pepper Ann, Pepper Ann. God, I wish that show was like on Disney Plus or on DVD. I'd be so happy. Me too. Anyway, that trope of the two places at once and you have to do the costume change and the whole thing gives me such anxiety because literally, especially in this situation. Yeah. He could have just said no yeah. to Sally Field as Mrs. Doubtfire. One, she's way too codependent on like and like I know he wants to be there to like sabotage things with Stu, but like he knows he's going to be at the restaurant with the boss of the station. He could just ruin her night with Pierce Brosnan that way instead. He could be like, oh, my darling ex-wife, I didn't realize you'd be at this restaurant too. I'm just having this pitch meeting with this executive. Things are going great for me right now. I can't wait to get 50-50 custody of my kids. Oh, who's this guy? Oh, he's allergic to pepper? Pepper. Like, he didn't have to go with Mrs. Doubtfire. No. This whole thing is a farce. I mean, the whole thing was just leading to the whole comedic aspect of the scene. And you're just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, just, I hate the trope. No, I know. It's it's, it's a frustrating trope. It Yeah. It's a lazy trope. Because it would have been a, a little more interesting to see him do that. And then possibly, like, bring Mrs. Doubtfire into it later on or something. But I, I think it would have been more interesting to see him sabotage it from that way. And then come in and yeah. save him. Like, with the Heimlich yes. maneuver. Because then he would look like the savior in general. You know? Yeah. Oh, my he, God. He, Boop, we've just fixed this movie. Well, here's the question, huh. though. Here's the question: Did he actually know the Heimlich maneuver, or was he? Just he references like, it earlier in the movie. Well, he, but he, he has to fake it. He I fakes, don't think he yeah, he's it. faking it because he put it on his resume that Miss Doubtfire knows how to use to do the Heimlich maneuver, and then he, you know, he fakes it and just happens to actually save Stu's life. I feel like the only reason that Stu doesn't press charges for the murder attempt is because he actually didn't go through with it and saved him. Yeah, but <laughs> still, he's got kind of like an angel of death thing going on where it's like the nurses who like put their, their patients into cardiac arrest and then bring them back and are like, oh, I'm, a, I'm the savior. Yay, everybody celebrate me. That's what he's doing. Wait, I'm just thinking though, is the reason we don't see Stu at the end or anything because Robin Williams scared him so much? Like, this guy's like, her ex-husband is willing to murder me. Like, I need to get away from this family. Yeah, and not just that, but then, like, and then Sally Field is like, you know what, Stu? I think I'm going to let him back in my kid's life after all this. If I was Stu, I'd be running for the hills. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, wait, What? No, I can't be a part of this buffoonery. No. You know what? Pierce Brosnan might be too good for this family. Or, okay, or is Stu actually James Bond? And this is like him coming back during one of his missions and he has to disappear. Yeah, exactly. We're in that era now. This is uh, this is like yes. off-season Bond. This actually predates. Does it? I was wondering predates if it predates Bond, or not. Yeah. Was it 95 his first Bond film? Or It's, it's actually, it's funny because I was reading in the trivia, Mrs. Stouffire is actually part of the reason he has became James Bond. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Like, because like the director was like, man, I think you'd be such a, because he was originally, he was up to be James Bond years ago, but he couldn't do it because of Remington Steele. Mm. And Chris Columbus was like, man, I, I thought that you were, you would have been great as, as James Bond. And then like, he, he told him like, you should, I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I read this. He either recommended him after working with him to the, the James Bond people, or he told them that he should look up the James Bond people again when they doing the, when they were doing the recasting. I got a funny thing about James Bond in this. So, Watching this movie a lot as a kid, Mrs. Doubtfire, end up hating Pierce Brosnan for like a good chunk of my life because I always thought he's just like <laughs> I, I would always think of Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm like I hate this guy, so I did not see any Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Like my first Bond film was actually Casino Royale. I didn't see any of them growing up. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? dead serious, crazy, dead serious. Yeah, but as like yeah, the whole thing. I never wanted to watch them because Pierce Brosnan. I was like, I hate this guy. Robin Williams where it's at. <laughs> so so now having seen this, that Pierce Brosnan wasn't such a bad dude, are you going to go back and watch this movie? <laughs> I've seen them now, but uh, oh, okay, I'll okay. go watch one hour photo now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just so when you mentioned Remington Steele, yes. just going to mention 
my mother got the name Laura from Remington. That is right. I did know that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So there's my Pierce Brosnan connection. It's not even a connection at all. It's just that's where my mom got the name. My name was originally going to be Elspeth. Not Euphigenia? Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. And no, Elspeth. And now my middle name is Elizabeth. There you go. Oh. It all comes back to Remington Steel, though, right? Yes, okay. Remington Steel is the, the catalyst for the name Laura. But okay, so after it's revealed that, and not only is it after it's revealed what's going on, Robin Williams get mad at the other patrons in the restaurant. Yeah, he's ruined all of their evenings, <laughs> and he's like, "Show's over, okay, folks." Did he ruin their evening, or would? Because, like, honestly, if I was in this restaurant and saw this happen, I'd be like, hands on my chin, like. Show me more. Oh, yeah, but you're I would like, be so. Are, I love reality TV. You're yeah, a me fiend too. for drama. I but, love but, drama. But the thing is, this is before reality TV, uh-huh. right? So this is like before that kind of entertainment is popular. The people there, if, could you imagine if at one of the other tables, there's a guy there who's like. In drag. Well, no, not, not even that. But like a it guy. San Francisco. But there's somebody else, like you're at the restaurant and you're like going to propose to your fiance and the table next to you, this like. This guy starts choking and then like this huge British lady shows up and like, and then it turns out it's a dude and then he chastises you for looking at the yeah. entire thing. <laughs> like I would be, I'd put that ring back in my pocket, you know, <laughs> like, that, that would be later in the evening. That's when you'd like get down and then after and you'd be like, this has been a crazy night. How about we, yeah. you know, still Let's cleanse our palate it of it with a proposal. Yeah. But no, if I were in a restaurant and this was going down, I would be like, Oh my god, this is so great! Oh my god, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I love other people's drama. <laughs> I'd be so happy. I would too. So okay, after all this, it's revealed. Obviously, they go back to court, and the judge is like, "Look, I'm sympathetic that you want to see your kids, but you're insane. Yeah, you lose all custody. You chose poorly." Yeah, you go directly it. to jail. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Yeah, obviously not to jail, but go to non custody. Like you get nothing, and he's obviously devastated. And I'm like, the judge is a hundred percent right. Like Sally Field should have listened to that judge. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like holy cow. But that's what I think. I just think it's so funny watching it as an adult. It's like I was watching. Like man, there's like these really big dark comedy aspects of this movie. Like this guy's trying so hard to win back his kids. He's gonna do some crazy things. Become a woman. Win them back. Lose all custody and have to be supervised because now you're criminally insane for murdering yeah. someone. <laughs> well, that's another thing too. Is at the end of the movie after they've seen that Mrs. Doubtfire is on TV. The mom goes to meet with him at his job and he sees her and he's like, oh, okay, like, let's talk. And then he yells at her. Yeah. Okay. So after all that too, and then the family's all sitting around being like, I miss her. I miss her too. I'm like, you know, she's not real. She's fake. You know, it's your Your, dad. Your dad was conning you. But like, if you miss anyone, you miss your dad. But they're like, I miss Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like. She's not real. Yeah. She's your dad trying to be who your mother wanted this whole time. And they're all, but even the mom is like, I miss her. I'm like, you guys all have like Stockholm syndrome or yeah. Helsinki syndrome or whatever syndrome this would be qualified as. <laughs> You're all nuts. You have a syndrome. You need psychological help. This man just, he manipulated your whole household. And he you're catfished you. Access. Uh, oh my God, he is the OG He's cat. the OG catfish. <laughs> but the bus driver was still going to go in for it, so. Oh, that bus driver was all about. <laughs> that bus driver was also a thirsty bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that bus driver. I was like, even Mrs. Doubtfire's getting catcalled. Yeah. You know, some men just, they can't help themselves. I like that natural it. look. <laughs> The sad thing was when I was doing, I was looking up stuff on IMDb for this movie, that bus driver, he died like right after this movie <gasps> came out. Oh no. And my first thought was, oh, that poor bus driver. And I'm like, no, he was an actor, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't really a bus driver. Yeah. It's like, oh, the poor pigeon lady. And no one too. <laughs> Are you sure that pigeon lady isn't just Pierce Morgan? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is Pierce Morgan. It's, it's a fact. So too. Have you ever seen them in the same place at the same time? <laughs> no. Have you noticed how one's in America and the other's not? Yeah. See, it's, oh. it's all it's all coming together. Yep. 
<laughs> and Donald Trump's in that movie too. Whoa. Whoa. But he's been edited for TV. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, that is so funny. The movie. Do we have anything else that we wanted to hit? I, I have explained my sheer just what is this movie, I think. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Uh no, well, the only things that I, I that caught me off guard was I was for the first time, I was curious how much he actually paid for that gourmet dinner in, in today's dollars. So I searched it up because I was bored. He pays oh. $132, which is $237 today. Could you imagine wow, paying wow. $237? For, well, I guess that's gourmet. A, that's a big skip the dishes order. Oh, tell me about it. Then there's got the tip and delivery fee and the service fee and the other fee and the other fee. Just, the small order fee. Meal. Yeah. Oh, surge, yeah. surge fees. Oh, God. Anyway, I think I think we've exhausted everything that we can say about this movie without giving our reviews. But before we get to our reviews, critics in 1993 had their own thoughts on this movie. So, Laura, why don't you fill us in? On some past reviews. I am happy to. Uh, so this film currently holds a 71% critical and 77% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Rita Kempley uh, said, Williams is to funny what the Energizer Bunny is to batteries. He keeps going and going. Roger Ebert, because I always like to include Roger Ebert, said, this film is not as amusing as the premise, and there were long stretches when I'd had quite enough of Mrs. Doubtfire. And I feel like like this review from David Anson of Newsweek kind of almost sums up this movie so perfectly. I've rarely laughed so much at a movie I generally disliked. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like wow. nail, like hammer, like he he got it. Like <sighs> this movie actually won a ton of awards. It has the Oscar for best makeup, the Golden Globe Award for best actor and best picture for comedy and musical, and the People's Choice Award for best comedy movie. There you go, award winning garbage. Academy Award winning. <laughs> Academy Award winning garbage, quote unquote. I mean, what what was it he said? The I was just. Uh, I've rarely laughed so much at a movie I generally dislike. There you go, <laughs> disliking uh, whatever. So okay, getting into our <laughs> who? Okay, what order we go? Is it? Is it? I go first. No, is no. It's, it's guest, 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 then chooser, then husband. Yes, guest <laughs> then the non-chooser. Husband isn't always last. Oh. Scotty, why don't you go first? So, All what right. is your your rating? Ooh, of my possible popcorn rating. It's funny because having watched this movie as a kid, you have so many fond memories of it. But then watching as an adult and seeing it in different eyes, I'm like, man, it's not, I don't think it's a terrible movie, but I'm definitely like, this is like a plain popcorn to me. It's like, it makes me laugh at certain parts, but there are so many parts where I'm like, is this movie still on? It's a two hour movie. Yes, it's very long. And apparently, oh, I didn't even mention. I'm so sorry. They're the uncut for because they've cut something like 57 minutes of this movie. Shut up. This movie is gargantuan. This movie's Lord of the Rings sized. Yes, it's honestly huge. I did see that there was a there's a subplot that was completely cut yes. and deleted scenes of him getting revenge on the neighbor who called his wife to report that he was doing the party. The one that caused the divorce in the first place. Well, I mean, oh my god! It, but yeah, because remember the neighbor called, to yeah. complained to the wife. Yeah, there's like an entire subplot that's cut out of him, like where it's like death to Smoochie. Well, he like he tells her that that dog piss is like <laughs> it, it is the best way to grow your garden. Yeah, or it's like a fertilizer, and she's like this like she's like a, a gardener, like an award winning gardener, <laughs> and he tells her this tip. So and and the the dog piss kills all of her flowers. So he gets revenge on her by making her get dogs to pee all over her prize winning flowers. Yeah, that that's a subplot. They didn't want to make Ron yeah. Williams too unlikable. That's why they had to cut that one out. Yeah, this movie, this movie's full runtime with these behind the scenes edition is hundred and fifty seven minutes. Oof. long. this movie is monstrous. When I was like, found it was two hours. I'm watching this. I'm like. Man, this is a slow movie. I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I must have been playing with toys while watching this because there's no oh, way yeah, as a kid 100%. I'm like, oh, wow, I really care about uh, Sally Fields getting the big design uh, 
<laughs> contract and that's why Pierce Brosnan is coming back. I'm like, come on, give me, ha, 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 let's laugh at uh, Robin Williams putting on makeup and singing Matchmaker, Matchmaker. Ah, and doing silly voices. And stuff. That's all I was in for. But as an adult, yeah, I'm like, holy crap, this is a different movie. This is like a completely different movie, I feel. Yeah. Especially having not seen it for like 20 years. And you know what? I fully agree with you. I'm also going with the plane. It is plane that has somehow managed to get like a little bit of like backsplash of butter on it. Oh. But it overall, it's like, it's a movie that I would recommend people yeah. see. Uh, it is a classic comedy movie. It obviously has some high points and some really enjoyable points. But overall, as a film, uh, I I don't love it. It's problematic in some areas. Obviously, it's very problematic in other areas. It's just uh, his character isn't super likable. I find Sally Field's character gets less likable as the movie goes on. The kids were all really good. Yeah. That one kid is in Money Plane. Yes, he is in Money Plane. Is Matthew Lawrence? I was gonna ask. If it, I was gonna ask if it was one of the Lawrence brothers because I was thinking of whatever their show was in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> no, that is Matthew Lawrence, which I think is the youngest Lawrence. I think so. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's the one who was on Boy Meets World. Yeah, and he is a rich Texan in Money Plane. <laughs> who, sh- who shoots himself? It's no spoilers. Yeah. Scott should watch this movie. It's brilliant. <laughs> It's terrible. Don't watch it's it. Terrible. Do watch it. It was worth the $4 rental. <laughs> and my darling husband, because I honestly, my thoughts are identical to Scott's on this movie. So my thoughts are, did you watch this movie as a kid? Did you enjoy this movie? Are your memories fond? Leave it that way. This is a burnt popcorn. <laughs> oh, shit. He's coming in with a, want to throw some pepper on that popcorn too? Because it kill somebody? <laughs> <laughs> oh! poisonous pepper burnt popcorn <laughs> yeah wow it, it just, uh, yeah I, it just didn't age well for me i, I can I, see I, it though i 100 percent can see the burnt popcorn rating yeah i get it i get it yeah like, it's i'm shocked that neither of you picked burnt popcorn the way you were talking about I, it. I was really on the cusp but that nostalgia yeah. still gives it where i can't throw it in the the, the dumpster for sure there are good performances yes and there is some really classic 90s comedy mm-hmm. and drive-by fruiting is classic. <laughs> Just watch the trailer. There ha- are things happy. about it. Like I generally disliked it, but it made me laugh. Yeah. Though there's parts where I just laughed, but I think a lot of my laughter was like, at, I can't realize some of the lines they're saying, or so I can't like imagine people saying that today. I was just like, holy shit. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that was a line. That's yeah. some, that's yeah. some offensive humor right there. Yeah, but like when the jokes land, they land really well. That's it. But like Robin Williams is very funny, and like yes. Chris Brosnan is great in it too. So I mean, I gotta go plain. Okay. Well, no taxi backsies. No nope. taxi backsies. I'm 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 happy with my with my burnt. I mean, I guess I wasn't super happy after watching it. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Uh, Mike but, is uh, much more critical than I am. The funny thing is, is I was worried about you hating everything because I have a. A reputation for liking things that no one else likes. Oh. And I am the only one who has given out a burnt popcorn on this podcast. And I've done it three times now. One of them doesn't count because it was the craft and you're a jerk. No, that was correct. <laughs> so, it's the only it's the only film, too, where you gave a burnt and I gave a, a double. A double, yeah. But like, you don't understand. I have a really hard time hating a movie. I can only really think of a few movies that I absolutely hated, one of which being the Total Recall remake. That movie is garbage. Yeah, well, we won't be covering that one on the show. It doesn't meet our criteria. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I can't think of very many movies I legitimately just hated. That's the thing. I don't hate this movie. Mm-hmm. I just I just felt like it was better in my memories, yes. and I should have left it that way. I think this movie is one of them, like, a perfect example for, like, the format of the show. Like... A film that you like, we all have rather fond memories of, but then coming to it as adults, like this is like mediocre or garbage. Yeah, this is what I was worried Austin Powers was going to be. Oh, I w- I was worried that because I really liked Austin fair. Powers, and I worried that when we went we watched it, that I wasn't going to be like, oh, this just didn't this didn't do well after X amount of years. Yeah, no, Austin Powers. 
I, I, we gave that a double butter. That's yep. a, that's a good movie. Austin Powers is always a double butter in my books. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have yeah. me on, and I'm just telling you. Spyro Shaggy, <laughs> double butter. Gold member, double butter. <laughs> International Man of Mystery, triple butter. Well, the Blippy reference. Yeah. Blippy's reference, double butter. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Blippy time. That was something that we didn't record, so that's a good reference for nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Nice inside joke for us. Any parents listening might be like, oh, God, I do remember that. It's a stupid one where he goes to the Diamondbacks. That's a classic. You're wrong. Yeah. (laughs) You don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I think, though, that will do it for this week's episode. But next week, we will be taking a look. Now, before before you say... Yes. I have written down... Oh, you've guessed. I did some teasing... I have written down four movies and the moment, and I've got them in a Facebook messenger message to you. The moment you tell me what it is, I'm going to hit enter. So you can see if I can see if I got it right. Okay. Well, here's a question for you. No. What year? I'm not. Okay. I have several different years here. Okay. Well, here's the thing. This movie that I'm picking, it's our 20th episode of the show. We have not done a movie from the 2000s yet. So, therefore, we will be talking about the Nicolas Cage vehicle gone in 60 seconds. Oh, I'm so excited! Okay, I had no, I, my guesses were, and I sent them to you, I wasn't lying, Volcano, Karate Kid, The Mask, or Mortal Kombat. I almost picked Karate Kid because I want to watch Cobra Kai. But. Yeah, that's why I thought, because it just there's a new season, so that's why that was on there. Yeah. But, and because I... Used to be pretty heavily into karate as a an adult, so yes, yes, yes. But no, I'm super on board. I yeah. well, with my last. I pick, talked about watching that recently. I'm so excited. With my last pick being something of, of fairly more dramatic, and this being a little bit of a disappointment, I'm in the mood for something that has no brains and is going to make me happy. So that's why gone in 60 seconds with VR film for next week. Scotty, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice to uh, talk with you guys again and podcast again. Yeah. Now this would be the point where I would ask you if you had something to plug, but I don't believe you have something to plug at the moment. Currently. No, trying to uh, get back into the podcast game. Want to uh, dip my toes back in there again, but no, just so far, just uh, enjoying this strange fever dream we've been living in. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, oh boy, times are weird, eh? It's just an episode of Twin Peaks. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, or when you have something to plug, we'll have you back on the show because you had other picks. We we have one that we, we said that we would save for you. 100%. So when, we when, won't do it until you're back on the show. When you Perfect. got something to plug, let us know and we'll have you back on and then we'll do that that episode. But we will keep that episode under wraps for now. For this week's episode of Burnt Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we hope you will join us on our next episode. We'll talk to you guys again soon.